Some killers are inspired by horror movies, while others take inspiration from real-life killers. In the case of a 26-year-old Polish man, he may have taken inspiration from both. One of his likely inspirations was Ed Gain, the butcher of Plainfield. It was just another normal night in Poland. The killer was just a man who lived with his father. On this typical night, everything would change. The killer lured his father downstairs. Curious, the father followed. Once in the cellar, the killer attacked. He first attempted to incapacitate his father by electrocuting him with a stun gun, but missed. His father attempted to escape. When his attack failed, the killer struck again, but this time, he wouldn't miss. Armed with a sharpened screwdriver, the young man repeatedly stabs his father in the chest and throat. His father died on the cellar floor, but the killer wasn't done yet. His ultimate goal wasn't just murder. That was just the first step. The next step was a bit more difficult. He grabbed his father's corpse and hung him by his legs in the cellar window. He placed his arms to either side of his body, his head lying on the ground. According to the killer, the reason he hung his father's body up this way was deliberate. He wanted his hanging body to resemble a crucifixion on an upturned cross. He said that the head of this kind of scoundrel should not hang even on a devil's cross. Having finished his crucifixion, the killer moved on the next step of his process. Using his surgical scalpel and shovel, he decapitated his father's head. Then, he made deep incisions into the papilloteal fossae. The papilloteal fossae are the soft, hollow indentations behind the kneecaps. He was draining the body of blood. The killer placed buckets beneath his father's body to collect the blood. The second part of his plan was finished. He had murdered his father. He decapitated him. He had just one step remaining. Create a mask. Taking his father's decapitated head upstairs, the killer retreated to his bedroom. Then, he got to work. He worked throughout the night, taking no breaks. Perhaps using the same scalpel he used to remove the head. The killer separated the skin from the skull. Once he finished, he tossed the victim's skull into the garden. In the killer's mind, by tossing the skull into the garden, he was throwing away the weed and freeing the body from the presence of the head. The killer ultimately claimed that the head was guilty of everything, so he was doing the body a service. Using some simple thread, he sewed the skin back together. He used a prosthetic plastic mass as a base to give the skin form while he worked. When he finally finished reconnecting the soft tissue, the killer had to work quickly. 
left in the air for too long, the skin would begin the process of putrefaction. In other words, it would start to rot and decay. In order to prevent this process from starting, the killer applied salt to the skin and shaved its hair. His creation was complete. He made a mask using the face of his father. He slid the mask over his face, but he still wasn't done. The mask was simply part of a larger, even more disturbing endgame. Following the creation of his mask, the killer made his way into his father's room. He grabbed some of his father's clothing, including his hat, glasses, and scarf. He then left his house and sat on a bench, wearing the mask. He was waiting for his grandfather to arrive. The killer, wearing the skin mask of his father, wanted to play a game with his grandfather. Acting as the victim, the killer started a conversation with his grandfather, seeing if his grandfather would recognize him. The grandfather, who was assumed to have hard-failing eyesight, believed the man sitting on the bench to be his son. They had a conversation, which eventually led back to their home. The two even ate breakfast together. At some point during the conversation, the grandfather realized something wasn't right. The grandfather noticed the killer's voice was distorted, trying to speak through the skin mask's mouth. The grandfather started investigating. He made his way down the stairs into the cellar. It was there everything broke down. The grandfather found his real son, or at least his real son's body, hanging upside down near the cellar window, without a head. He panicked. Racing back upstairs, he made his escape. He ran to a neighbor's house and contacted police. Realizing he was caught, the killer had to act quickly. He actually returned downstairs into the cellar. He grabbed the clothes his father was wearing when he killed him. He ran, he hid, he watched. From a hiding place, the killer observed the investigation. He watched police survey the property. Then he left, made it to a bus stop bench and sat. There, police found and arrested him. There, everything ended. He was put on trial for his crimes. Although the killer himself didn't believe he had committed any crime at all. Yes, he admitted to the murder, but he phrased it differently. The killer claimed the murder shouldn't be viewed as some graphic, revolting act. Rather, it should be seen as a work of art, illustrating extreme human meanness. 
He then went on to say that it was an act with no holds barred. The end game had finally been revealed. To the killer, his father wasn't some helpless victim who had been brutally murdered. Rather, he was deserving of his punishment. The killer testified that the reason behind all of it, the murder, the mask, everything, was for revenge. He hated his father. The killer's father lived an immoral life. His father had taken him away to Poland, leaving behind the killer's sister and mother. He was fleeing from his own actions. His father had seduced a woman 30 years his junior, a daughter of one of his own friends. Caught, he didn't want to face the consequences of his actions. Once in Poland, his father, who was quite wealthy, refused to help his wife and daughter. All of this resulted in anger so intense, the killer took the life of his father. He wanted to see if his grandfather would recognize him if he was wearing the mask of his father. To the killer, this aspect was some experiment to test out a morbid curiosity. He listed his main inspiration as the killer from the movie Seven. In this movie, the killer permanently disfigured the face of a woman he considered to be prideful. But most importantly, the killer in this movie sacrificed himself to punish others. The son claimed that a man's worth can be recognized in his values rather than on his face. By scalping his father, a man who never recognized any values, the killer wants to symbolize his father's lack of face. Psychiatrists ultimately diagnosed the killer with borderline schizoid personality disorder. This mental disorder is characterized by unusual perceptions superstitious beliefs, emotional detachment, and solitariness. According to Article 34.2 of Polish Penal Code, this mental disorder sets considerable limitations on his capacity to understand the meaning of the offense and the ability to guide his behavior. Although he was diagnosed with this mental disorder, it remains unknown as to whether or not the killer was declared as legally insane. Thank y'all for listening. And remember, thank y'all for listening. It's just a scary story. And remember, this one just happens to be true. This one just happens to be true.